I'll try that again. Good morning. Total pastor error. Don't look at the sound guy. Yeah. If the mic is red, it means it's not on. So good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Matt. We want to welcome you to Victory Life Church this morning. We're glad that you're worshiping with us. If you're online, welcome to you this morning. Glad that you're worshiping with us. Uh, If this is one of your first times here at Victory Life, a very special welcome to you. We would love to get connected with you, let you know more about the church, get to know you a little bit. Best way to do that is if you're in the house today, you can fill out a visitor card, which is in the seat back in front of you. If you fill that out and go right out these doors and turn to the right, uh, we have a welcome center, and we'd love to give you a gift and answer any questions you have about the church and find out a little bit about you. If you're online, you can go to the New Here tab, and you can fill that out, and uh, we'll get in contact with you that way this week. Just one announcement for you uh, today, and that is that our annual business meeting is going to be held February 20th. That's two Mondays from tomorrow at 7 p.m. right here in the North Sanctuary. Our annual meeting is an opportunity where we get to hear all about God's goodness to the church, get a report from the trustees, our finance director, our treasurer, about what God's money has been used for here at the church this year. We also elect new trustees, so if you are a member of the church, you have the opportunity to vote on our new trustees who oversee the building grounds and finances of the church. And so we would love to invite you, whether you are a member or an attender, to come to our annual business meeting two Monday nights from tomorrow. And then, of course, today, if you came to worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, there are multiple ways to do that. You can text to give, you can give online, or as you walk out the doors this morning, you can uh, drop an offering uh, right in our little offering receptacle there that's on the way out. So we're going to stand and prepare our hearts for worship, and as we do, we're going to bow our heads and ask the Lord's presence to be here. Lord, the psalmist said in Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Lord, we have so much to be grateful for today. And I pray today in this place we would engage in an exercise of gratefulness. May the words of our mouth extol you, Lord. May the cry of our heart call upon you. Lord, I pray in this place we would feel your presence as we welcome you with praise. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's get ready to praise him today. Let's put our hands together. Here we go. Your 
see him today. I want to meet with him today, so I'm going to praise his name. He's done so many good things in my life, and so I'm going to raise a hallelujah unto him today. I'm going to say, I boast in your name, Jesus, because I want to see your presence in this place, and I want to see it in my life as I move forward through, through this week. So let's raise a hallelujah unto him this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Sing it. 
in the bad times and the hard times, we raise that hallelujah. And heaven goes to fight for you. The enemy flees in Jesus' name. Come on. When you praise his name, the enemy flees. When you praise his name, he goes before you. It's so good to know that we have a God who fights for us. It's so good that we have a God who's given us eternal life through his son, Jesus. He says, oh, yeah, life might get hard in these times, but I'm there. I'm present. And on the other side of this life, you have eternity with me. When we see him one day and are made perfect in him, we have eternity. We throw off the old and he makes us new. What a good, loving father we have. So good. So we bless you today, Jesus. We praise you in this place. We pour out our love on you. We pour out our worship on you. We pour out our praise on you. Lord, if it costs me my pride, then here's my pride. Lord, if it costs my heart, here's my heart. Lord, if it costs me my hands, I give you my hands. If it costs you my entire body, this worship, Lord, it's yours. I'm bringing you something this morning. I'm bringing you a song this morning. And it's from my heart. I love you. I love you. I just love 
Father God, we come to this place to lift our voices to you as a mere expression of how we feel towards you because of what you have done. The Bible tells us that you loved us first. We didn't love you first. You loved us before we ever even knew what you did for us, before we ever even completely understood the lengths to which you went to bring us back into your embrace. What an honor to be in your presence today, to encounter you, to learn from you, and to more deeply follow you. We pray that by virtue of your Holy Spirit, you would enable all of us to do that each and every day that you might know how we feel about you. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. It's wonderful this morning. My name is Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And it's my good fortune uh, today to pinch hit for Pastor Matt. Uh, back in the day, I was usually only good for about a single, so hopefully I can hit a double today. That's my, that's my outcome. If uh, you are a kindergarten through sixth grader, uh, you are a young disciple, and you have the opportunity to leave this room and go down the hallway to be with Miss Jody this morning, so you can do that right now. If that is your preference, you can go down the hallway and experience church on your level uh, all the rest of us are going to stay in here and do church on our level. And if you want to prepare to do church on our level, you can open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 5. Um, that is going to be uh, the basis for which uh, we will continue thinking and talking about uh, this series that Pastor Matt has been in uh, that has been entitled, Into the World, Lessons of Light Shining uh, from the Apostle Paul. Now, I want to tell you on the front end of things, I do have a lot of scripture that I'm going to be sharing with you today, and uh, it'll all be on the screen, but like I said, the basis of what we're going to be doing will come from Acts chapter 16 on Paul's second missionary journey. But before we get there, I do have a story I'd like to share with you. Uh, A couple of months ago when I had the opportunity to uh, preach on December 4th, I think it was, 
I think I shared with you that I went to graduate school in Abilene, Texas, to a wonderful Christian university known as Abilene Christian University. Give me a thumbs up if you've heard about it. Okay, seven of you. Ah, fantastic. It's a great school, and um, I, I had a, a vehicle when I was down. There was my first vehicle. It was a Ford Ranger, a purple Ford Ranger. It was a manual transmission, so, you know, it was a stick shift. It was a beautiful vehicle. Um, I called it Purple Rain. Back then, I used to listen to a lot of Prince music. Please don't judge me. But anyways, my Ford Ranger, uh, on one particular day, um, decided to not function or work for me anymore. It, it broke down. And I needed to get it to a mechanic because I'm not very mechanically inclined myself, so I, 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 needed, I needed some help. Now, the problem with my truck was, was somewhat unique because here's the thing. The truck would actually start, but I couldn't get my truck into first or second or third, fourth or fifth gear. I couldn't get it to move forward. The thing that it would do, however, is, as I said, I could turn it on, and I could get my truck into reverse, so I could drive backwards. Well, I live close to the university, and so I could actually walk to class from my apartment. So I didn't need my vehicle, but one day out of desperation, I did need to make my way across town to Gold's Gym where I worked out. And so, like, I got to get this thing fixed. So I hopped in my Ford Ranger, turned the ignition, it turned on, tried to get it into first, tried to get it into second. It wouldn't. So I decided to put my vehicle in reverse. And I made a decision that day. And the decision was to drive my Ford Ranger from my house to the mechanic's garage in reverse. In reverse. And it was about a mile and a half away from my, my house where I live, my apartment, my duplex, that is. And so I took off from my house, and I remember looking across the street and waving at folks over there. They didn't really notice what I was doing. But then I turned the corner, and I'll never forget when I turned the corner, I saw two guys standing out in a front lawn, and they looked at me, and one guy put his hand on his mouth and pointed at me like I was some weirdo. And then I kept driving, and I was looking around, scanning, you know, the neighborhoods and the streets just to make sure there weren't any police around. And then I drive a little bit further, and then I got another weird look uh, from some people who were on their front porch, and they looked at me like I was driving a spaceship down the street. But I kept driving in reverse, and to my good fortune, I made it all the way to the mechanic's garage without any problem, and I got my Ford Ranger fixed that day. And I stand here before you to tell you that story, and I'm very proud of it. Very proud of it. Because sometimes, friends, you have to be willing to go backwards to reach your destination. Well, today we're going to be talking about how the Apostle Paul was willing to experience what seemed like a backwards movement, only to eventually move forward with his intended destination. So if I could give my sermon a title today, that sermon title would be Going Backwards to move forward. Uh, the passage today will come from Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Let's read it together. You don't have to read it. I'll read it to you. Acts 16 says, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. 
Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Well, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. As a result, the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, there is a lot of backwards stuff going on in this passage of Scripture. At first glance, you might not see it, but you will come to understand that these few verses require the Apostle Paul to go backwards only to move forward with God's agenda by doing three main things. And those three main things are renewing his team, remembering the big picture, and removing a big barrier. First, let's talk about how he renewed his team. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and there was a disciple there. His name was Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And then jump down to verse 3. It says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So Paul is adding to his team because he wants to move forward with God's agenda. And this agenda, as I mentioned just a moment ago, is the start of Paul's second missionary journey. Pastor Matt has spent the first part of this sermon series on Paul's first missionary journey, and now he is going on his second journey. And it actually tells us a little bit about this in Acts chapter 15. And you can see it on the screen there. Acts 15 verse 36 says, After some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. See what's going on there? Paul said, I want to go find out and move forward with this mission that God is calling me towards. But before he does so, he's gathering a new team a really new team, because look at what happened in Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 36 and following, 37 rather. It says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them. John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn for them in Pamphylia and one who had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Can you believe this? The Bible pulls back the veil and gives us a glimpse into real-life human relationships right there in Acts chapter 15. Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement. What you have here are two committed followers of Jesus trying to advance the gospel, and they can't agree about who should be on the team. This is real life, folks. And God still moves his agenda forward regardless of this disagreement. And he did it with Paul. Look look what happens. Look what Paul does in the next verse. It says, Paul chose Silas, and he departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And then he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So what just happened? Paul left Barnabas. He picks up Silas, and he moves forward with him. I tell you all this stuff because this is kind of the larger backdrop. It's a larger context 
of what we're going to be focusing on in Acts chapter 16. I think it's also important because it's vital that you understand and appreciate how God can work sometimes in spite of our human relationships. See, he will work in spite of us because he has an intended destination when he organizes new teams. Well, this new team is made up of different players. So it has the Apostle Paul, who's a main leader. As you know, the Apostle Paul wrote probably two-thirds of our New Testament. Silas, he's a new player. He's going to be a big, important teammate later on in Acts chapter 16. And then you have Timothy. Timothy's a younger guy, totally new to the team. He has a mixed and diverse background. It says that the Bible says that his mother was a Jewish believer in Jesus and his father was a Greek, likely not a believer in Jesus. Totally new team for a new mission. Now, one of the the great things I get to do with my job is I get to teach the class growth track. Raise your hand if you've heard of the class growth track. Okay, over 90% of you have. That's wonderful. I really love teaching growth track because it's my good fortune to be able to see the new team members that God is bringing to Victory Life Church. And it's amazing to see God kind of orchestrate these new folks that come into our body here so that we can move forward with God's mission. We've been doing this class for about five years, and it's been so neat to see God bring people into Victory Life Church to be on our team so that we can move forward with God's agenda. We've had some very special people that God has brought to our team. May I just mention a few to you, and I've gotten clearance from these folks to do so. I think of people like Nathan and Megan Flaker. Since joining Victory Life Church, Nathan has become a leader here at our church as he serves on the board of trustees, and he's done amazing things to advance the mission of the gospel on that team. His wife, Megan Flaker, you might not know this, but she was a leader in our children's ministry and played a central role, central role in making sure we had a seamless transition in our children's ministry a couple of years ago before Jody came on board. I think of people like Mark and Mary Edelman. Uh, You might know of them. They have since moved on to Virginia. Uh, Mark jumped onto our team. They went through growth track, and Mark became a person on our board of trustees. He taught various life groups and would do any project we ask him to do around here. His wife, Mary, was a leader in our women's ministry. She also taught various life groups and helped us to move God's agenda forward here at Victory Life Church as well. This past year, Jack and Kim Malin became members here at Victory Life Church, and they joined the team. They've done amazing things as leaders of our pray-and-go ministry that we've been doing this year, and it's exciting to see God work through them. I also think of Carly and Andrew Fullerton. You might know them, you might not. Carly runs the complex details of our technology behind the scenes. Andrew, her husband, is a great leader on our safety and security team, and I'm not going to tell you where he's positioned this morning on purpose. These are amazing team members that God has brought to us. Now, I just mentioned just a few folks. There are many more of you whose names I did not mention. Each year, God brings new people 
onto the Victory Life Church team. This year, Pastor Matt mentioned, we're going to be adding new trustees. Uh, every year, I have the opportunity to raise up new life group leaders. And this year, perhaps likely new elders here at our church. Over the last few years as well, we've had new ministry staff come on board. I mentioned Jody as our new director of our children's ministry. And at present, we are going through a process of looking for our next youth and associate pastor. And so may I ask you to pray for our search team as we look for our next team member who's going to be on our pastoral staff. But I want to ask some of you, do you need to join the team? And may I remind you, God brought you here to Victory Life Church for a reason. He wants you to get in the game. You might just be the next Timothy that he wants to use to move his agenda forward here at Victory Life Church. And I want you to capture this because you might be sitting out there thinking, you know, there's no contribution that I can make. There's no difference that I could possibly, you know, impart to Victory Life Church. Well, I want you to be encouraged because you could be an essential part of the big picture that God is trying to orchestrate here at Victory Life Church, which actually leads to our next point uh, in, this, in this passage of Scripture, remembering the big picture. This is a big idea that I want you to see in Acts chapter 16. Look again what it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 4. This is the second idea that we're going to focus on, remembering the big picture. It says, as they went on their way through the cities... They delivered to them, referring to churches, for observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. All right, so this is kind of the next phase of what goes on in this passage of Scripture. This decision that had been reached by the apostles and elders, it is, is a decision that was pivotal in the history of Christianity. This is a big picture idea. And the reason it's so big is because some of the Jewish followers of Jesus who were trying to impose upon non-Jewish followers, also known as Gentiles, the need to become Jews before becoming Christian. You can kind of capture what goes on here in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. It's on the screen for you. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, and they were teaching the believers in Jesus, unless you are circumcised, according, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. You see, these men from Judea were Jewish believers teaching non-Jewish believers that they needed to follow this Mosaic law to be saved. And this becomes a huge theological debate in the church at this point in time. Because as you may recall from Acts chapter 13, the apostle Paul and others were teaching the exact opposite. Look at what it says in Acts 13. This is what Paul said. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, referring to Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. You see that there? These certain men from Judea 
would have actually objected to what Paul was promoting here because their stance was, yeah, Jesus saves, but only after we have done all we can do to keep the law of Moses, including circumcision. And so this was a main motivation for Paul and his team to go back to these churches so that he could move them forward by providing proper teaching. This is a big deal. It's a big picture concept because this is messing with the formula for how someone gets saved. I love what gotquestions.org had to say about this. This is not on the screen. I'm just going to quote it to you. It says, this was not a side issue. It had to do with salvation itself, how one is made right with God. This was not a matter where there could be a disagreement among believers, with some believing you must be under the law and some believing it wasn't important. Rather, this was an issue that went to the core of Christianity, and it had to be resolved. It was a core issue because to require believers in Jesus to get circumcised and follow Mosaic law would have been a major step backwards and not forward. Well, this issue is indeed resolved by church leaders in the Jerusalem council. And Peter, as you know, the apostle Peter, who had a Jewish background, speaks directly into this issue, and he reminds the church leaders of his day about the big picture that God had for the church in Acts chapter 15. And this is what he says in verses 7 and following. He says, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, Why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Verse 11, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Very important moment in the history of the church. Do you see what Peter said as he gets them to remember the big picture that God had many years ago? He is speaking to a Jewish audience who would have known that God planned this years before they ever stepped foot on planet Earth, and now God is making it a reality. Peter is saying there's no need to go back and become a Jewish person to follow Jesus, and that's why he says we believe that we'll be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Now, as you can see, Peter refers to two groups here. He says they, and he's referring to those who have a Gentile background, like many of us here. And then he says us. He's referring to himself and the other Jews that are in the audience. So he's saying anyone and everyone who comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus does not have to go backward and become a Jew to move forward. All they have to do is accept the fact that God sent Jesus who paid the price and there's nothing else you have to add to it. Now, in Acts chapter 15, there's actually a letter in the actual chapter 
that uh, was written to the churches that the Apostle Paul is actually delivering to these churches that is mentioned in Acts chapter 16. But I don't have time to get into it right now. I encourage you to read it later on uh, this week. It's in Acts chapter 15, verses 23 through 29. But I do think it's important to spend some time on a matter that can often get overlooked in our biblical interpretation. And I do think that when this reminder of this big picture that God had for his people, it was delivered with an assumption that God not only had a heart for the Gentiles, but he also had a heart for the Jews. I think this is another aspect that we should all remember about the big idea of the Bible when it comes to the gospel. This is important, I think, because often when we study stories, when Jews are involved, would you agree, most often, it's usually painted with a picture that is negative. Would you agree? I mean, for, for instance, if you look at John chapter 1, when John refers to the Jews, he says that Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own didn't recognize him. Kind of a negative image. In various places in the Gospels, when Jesus encounters the Jews, it's a negative encounter. As you know, the Jews were a main instigator in Jesus' death on the cross. And then here in the book of Acts, a picture is painted about the influence of the Jewish believers that implies a negative image. But I want to remind us about some very important details about the big picture of the Bible. May I remind you that two-thirds of our Bible, known as the Old Testament, is about God's people known as the Jews. Uh, within the Old Testament, it places emphasis on how God would send a Savior for them, the Jews. Also, the Old Testament is pervasive with messages about God's love for his people, the Jews. Hosea 11.1 1, God says about his people, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So may I say to you, I say this to myself as well, God's heart for Israel has not changed. You see, just because the Jews were being admonished in this particular passage of Scripture for wanting to go backwards to the Mosaic law, it does not therefore mean that God has lost his heart for the Jews or that he has somehow excluded them from the big picture. Quite the opposite, in fact. We must remember that our New Testament Bible also was written mostly by Jews who had come to Jesus. Also, the church in Acts chapter 2 was founded by Jewish leaders who were passionate about the gospel of Jesus. In addition, a devout Jew himself, the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. See, the Apostle Paul felt strong pathos and emotion in his heart for the Jews. So as I mentioned just a minute ago, I felt compelled to say something about this because it's easy to flippantly sort of cast shade 
on the Jews without a full and complete understanding of God's word. In fact, in Romans chapter, uh, chapters 9 through 11, the Apostle Paul gives more content about his passion for the Jews and also God's love for the Jews as well. I'm going to read you these two passages as well. In Romans 9, 1 and following, Paul says this about his passion to reach the Jews for Christ. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, referring to the Jews, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Do you see God's heart and Paul's passion for the Jews? It's unrelenting, so much so that he says he'd be willing to have his relationship with Christ cut off for the sake of the Jews. That is intense passion, my friends. But then later in Romans chapter 11, he addresses Gentile believers, people like most of us, in which case he says, if some of the branches have been broken off in you, referring to Gentiles, though a wild olive shoot have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Well, you will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, it's a one-word sentence. Pretty cool. But they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Then he calls them out. Look at what he says. He says, do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So Paul is saying to Gentiles, people like most of us, you must remember the roots of your faith are based in God's faithfulness to the Jews first and then to us. I think he's saying, don't be so arrogant about the fact that God has included you because we aren't even the foundation. We are not the roots of this tree. We are the branches that have been added onto it. Now, as I said a moment ago, maybe this is just more for me than for you. But I felt compelled to mention this because of how often Jews are cast into a negative light. Uh, but maybe perhaps it needs to be said because all of us need to be reminded of the fact that this big picture that was being delivered to the churches that the Bible speaks about includes the Jews as well as Gentiles. And if I could just somehow relate all of this to our modern day and time, please offer me the opportunity to just share a few things. Because our world today, the way of the world, seems to be fostering hatred towards Jews. Deborah Lipstadt, a professor of modern history, Jewish history and Holocaust studies at Emory University says, anti-Semitism has legs that other hatreds have never had. She goes on to say that anti-Semitism can be documented through the Middle Ages, the 20th century, obviously during the Holocaust, 
and now it continues into the 21st century. And now, as you know, just a few weeks ago, a 13-year-old Palestinian boy opened fire on a Jewish synagogue and killed several people. There have been seven synagogue attacks in the last 10 years. I know that's very, very harsh. But may it never be said of Christians that we participate in this kind of hate towards the Jews. Instead, may we be the ones who stand as a light in this dark world to share the love of God with the Jews. Because this is what the Bible teaches. And this is certain, this certainly had to be a part of the big picture of what Paul and Timothy wanted to convey to the churches. The message was clear. God had done a huge thing through Jesus, and God had a big picture, and it included both Jews and Gentiles. But the main picture is this. There's no need to go backwards and become a Jew to be saved. It's time to move forward, removing any and all barriers so that this can happen, which leads to our last point for the day, the removal of the barrier. Now, I want to take you back to verse 3 so that you can see an action that Paul takes to remove a potential barrier to Jesus, especially for the Jews. Look at what it says in verse 3. It says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, there's a reason I have organized my points this way. Because I want you to see the apparent contradiction. Because we just covered the decision made by church leaders at the Jerusalem Council. And you might be thinking to yourself, I know I was thinking to myself, why in the world would the Apostle Paul do this? Doesn't this seem to contradict everything that he was wanting to convey to the churches that he was visiting? Talk about going back on your word. I mean, if there's ever a backwards move, this is it. At least it seems that way when you read it at first glance. So what I would like to do now is just mention something about why Paul did this. Because I think Paul was willing to put his name on the line because he wanted to remove any barrier to the gospel, especially in his mission to reach the Jews. BibleReference.com says it this way. It says, if Timothy is not circumcised, the Jewish Christians might see it as a stumbling block to their faith. It's about ministry here, not salvation. And Paul knows that sacrifice is necessary for the spread of the gospel to the Jews. So I imagine the Apostle Paul endured some ridicule for making this move. But he wanted to reach this certain people, people group on his second missionary journey. In fact, if you read more in the book of Acts, we read of seven other times when Paul goes into synagogues to share the gospel of Jesus with devout Jews. His plan was to first go into a city and first visit synagogues and share the gospel of Jesus with devout Jews. And so Paul wanted to accomplish his goals by removing any barrier that would prevent him from reaching the Jews. Paul was willing to make it look like he was going backwards 
so that he could move forward with what God was doing through him. Paul said in one of his letters, he said, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. He said, To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. See, what I see here is that Paul was willing to drive in reverse to get to his intended destination. Paul is removing the barriers it matters not to him if he looks a certain way when he's doing this. His goal was less about winning approval and more about winning people to Christ. And so I ask you, what are you willing to do to remove barriers that might prevent others from coming to Christ? Are you willing to do what Paul did here, to meet people where they are, to remove a barrier? This came home to me personally um, in the last few weeks. I've spent a lot of time praying for some people that are very close to me. I've been praying that they would come to know that God loves them. I've been praying for God to remove any barrier between them and him. And I have to tell you, as I have been praying, I have sensed God saying a few things very clearly to me. And it's been this. I feel as though God has been saying to me, Otto, you are the barrier. And I feel as though he's been saying to me, stop talking to me about these people and start showing these people through your behavior towards them what my love looks like. Spend time in their world. Ask them questions. Get on their level and live in their reality. Don't just assume that they're going to want to enter into your reality when you tell them that they should. Show them what it's like to be loved in the way you have been loved. And I feel as though I have been the barrier. And, you know, I have to admit, this has been hard because it takes more time and it takes more effort to go and meet someone on their level to remove the barrier. So I ask you, what is your barrier? What is your barrier with others? You assume that others just should naturally want to move in your direction because you are a follower of Christ. Or do you at times have silent judgment towards others for not knowing more about who God is? You believe that lost people should maybe just make their way into church and get the message that way. Or do you stand in judgment of those maybe who advocate for a different viewpoint on life, whether it's political or religious otherwise? See, may I encourage you to think of maybe one person that doesn't stand where you stand or doesn't live where you live, doesn't share your viewpoint on life. May I encourage you to think of one person like that that's not like you, maybe someone who isn't necessarily a part of your community or a part of your tribe. 
And may I encourage you to break down the barrier with that person by meeting them where they are just to see what God may do. You just never know how big of an impact you can have if you're just willing to lay down your own personal opinions and preferences that we might humble ourselves, remove barriers, and build bridges for the expressed purpose of winning others to Christ. Because the outcome will be worth it, my friends. The outcome will be worth it. You see, Paul was willing to take this action with Timothy because he knew the outcome. It might have looked like he was going backwards, but he did it to move forward with God's agenda. And we have a promise that if we're willing to do this with others, we have a promise. It says in verse 5 that churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. You see, that is why it's worth it. That is why it's worth it to meet people where they are to remove the barrier. I close with this, AJ, you can come. See, I'm sure it looked like a backwards move when God decided that to reach humanity, he would have to become one of us, a human being. And so God stepped out of heaven, put on human flesh, stepped into our world so that we would know how far he was willing to come to reach us. How backwards is that? How backwards is it to hold all power and all authority in his hands only to allow himself to be rejected, falsely accused, and then condemned on a cross? It seems backwards, doesn't it? Well, it might look backwards, and it was, but it was necessary to move forward with his big picture plan for you. So may I ask you, to what great lengths will you go to remove the barrier between someone else and God? Are you willing to look like you are driving backwards to move someone else forward closer to the Lord Jesus? Can you bow with me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the examples that we find in Scripture of how radical people are willing to be for the sake of winning others to you. I pray that you would just continue to speak to hearts and minds this morning and allow us to have an image in our minds of those that you have put in our lives that might not necessarily be like us, but they have been put there because you are calling us to do what Paul did with Timothy. You are calling us to become like them that me, we might win them to you. That's the whole point. Even if it looks weird, we are willing to do it for the sake of winning others to Christ. So we ask that you would just continue this morning to speak to hearts. Um, help us to see that person in our minds and know exactly what we need to do. So I ask that uh, you would just continue to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If anybody has someone in your mind that has been put in your life for such a time as this, and maybe they're not like you, maybe they're different than you, 
And maybe oftentimes you leave conversation with them and you think to yourself, I just don't know, don't know why they're my friend. But just maybe they're your friend because that's the person that God wants you to remove a barrier with. If someone has anyone like that in their life, can you just raise a hand right now? I want to pray for you. God bless you. Many of us do. Many of us do. I just want to pray for you right now. Father God, thank you for um, those who have raised their hands this morning. Oftentimes it seems like an insurmountable task to, to, to consider the prospect of sharing the gospel of Jesus with, with people that are so different than us, people that we, we don't even know where to start. But maybe we can learn from, from what we studied today that maybe the first step is to just step into their world, step into their reality, and try to build a bridge and remove a barrier by just becoming their friend. So I pray that you would give us guidance. I pray that you would give us anointing. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and that when we open our mouths that your words would come out and that they would not rest dormant on the hearts and minds of those that we seek to reach. Uh, may, they, may they germinate in their hearts and souls in a way that will come to fruition, enabling these individuals to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your word, and we thank, we thank you for the, the example of the Apostle Paul and of Timothy, too, for following through on the mission that you had for them, even though it may have seemed a little backwards in the moment, the ultimate end did move forward, the mission of the gospel. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, can I ask you to stand this morning? Thank you for worshiping with us today. And I do know that this afternoon there is a football game on known as the Pro Bowl. And I just looked it up this, uh, this morning, and I guess there's no tackling. So, but I guarantee someone's going to get hurt. So I hope that you enjoy watching somebody sprain their ankle with no tackling this afternoon in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> we'll bow for a word of prayer together. Father God, thank you for being with us this morning. We ask that you would go with us as we leave today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.